your parents or you're gonna get a real spanking from the both of us. She's away from him. Away from home? Is she all right? Diane, ask about the light. Callan? Honey, do you see a light? Tell her to go to the light. No! They'll follow her. They've been following her for weeks. Now tell her. It's all right. It's all right. Tell her. Run to the light, Caroline. Run as fast as you can. No, honey. No. No, it's a lie. You can't choose between life and death when we're dealing with what is in between. Now tell her before it's too late. Run to the light, baby. Mommy is in the light. Tell her you're waiting for her. Mommy is waiting for you in the light. I hate you for that. Now clear your minds. It knows what scares you. It has from the very beginning. Don't give it any help. It knows too much already. Now, open the door. That scene is so much of what I love about poltergeist tell me more mary i mean so this is part of a much longer it's like a almost a three minute single take you know uh which i always love uh you know where like it it starts you know on like the one guy like drawing numbers on the on the tennis ball and just like moves with the actors as the scene kind of like moves through them from like Steven to then, you know, Tangina in the front, then shifting to Diane, best supporting Dr. Lesh, Beatrice Strait in the background. Mm. And I like, and it, I love that because it, what I love about Poltergeist is yes, it's a horror movie. Yes, it's about like, oh my God, the, you know, this, the, the, this little girl has been captured and she's on the other side. Um, but it's also so much about like Diane and like what Diane has to go through to get her kid back. Oh, you mean to go in there and grab her and I think the whole experience, you know, like I think the whole I think even in the scene where it's like she, you know, Tangina is like telling her to lie to Carol Ann, like go towards the light. And she has that big like, no, which mm. I think is just it's so like those kind of moments where it's like this could also just be. A, a kidnapping trauma. You know what I mean? This could just be the movie Ransom. You know what I uh-huh. mean? It's still just as much about like the agony of these parents wanting to get their kids back. And I think in particular Diane, because like, yes, yeah, she's the one who eventually goes in there and gets her. Uh, and then she's the one in the last like 15 minutes of the movie that the house is like, nah, bitch. Yeah. And then it's like her versus the house. And right. I just, I just can't get enough of that. I just love. And that like, our strongest heroes in this movie are like points of guidance are the mother, uh, Dr. Lesh played by Oscar winner, Beatrice Strait, And then this little fucking weirdo Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina. You know, I, I hear everything that you're saying and I just want to push back on two of those points because I don't think Dr. Lesh or Tangina were reliable heroes here. I think that they were part of the journey of getting Carol Ann back. Like, I think definitely that, more than the deadbeat husband. That's well, sure. yeah, right. Like, I think that they were, she was never going to go in there and get her without Tangina's help. Yes. And they were never going to okay. even form communication okay. without Dr. Lesh's help. And so, like, 
the way that it kind of ends up working is like this progression of like, okay, this shit happened. Let's, let's go to a parapsychologist. She'll bring her team in. We'll get this far. She gets as far as she gets. Let's bring Tangina in. But then ultimately okay. it's like, just get the fuck out of the house. Well, that's the thing though. And that's why I kind of fault Tangina. Cause Tangina iconically says this house is clean yeah and it wasn't yeah it wasn't she should have said something she knew it wasn't i believe she didn't know she knew it wasn't because craig t nelson fucked it up he pulled the rope too soon and i think that she should have said something like look you guys need to leave or something um because it was not clean and we saw what happened later it like everything just gets even worse it's a whole other movie after this um, i think what i like about that though is my thing is consistent is that like all of these not none of all these people are also like normal human beings like they're like they're in like we see that diane and steve are imperfect parents like we see the ways well, in sure which oh, they yeah. like they've got their own kind of quirks even going into this we see that like like when d- diane laughs about her daughter getting sexually harassed by yeah yeah workers. like these like right. she's she is very much a hippie from the 60s yeah, you know so it's like there's a bit of that we see the way the ways that like dr lesh is like working outside of her even her her qualifications like there's oh, no sure. so yeah. she's kind she's of drinking. like she's drinking on the job too. and she, she drinks on the job yeah, like she's she terrified she's yeah. terrified i did i mean she is one of the best characters because she is completely in over her head like this team they're a research team they're they're not equipped to get rid of this ghost they're equipped to tell you that the ghost is there you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so when they get brought into this situation like Man, the the acting of Beatrice Strait to be like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes uh, an emotional support person for Diane and, and vice versa, essentially. Like, she goes above and beyond in her bedside manner, which I think is great. Um, but I think that's because she's a little... She's a little drunk. <laughs> oh, I I feel like she's always got that flask on her. She's always got a little bit of a nip on. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I love her. I loved. I mean, obviously, I love, I love yeah. Beatrice Strait. I I feel like the there's a connection between Diane and Doctor Lesh that happens that I think is it's interesting because I've like there's so much debate about like is this a Toby Hooper movie? Is this a Steven Spielberg movie? Mm-hmm. Like most people think, you know, Steven Spielberg still had a lot to do with this, and most Steven Spielberg movies explore a lot of like father-son relationships and like mm. the presence of the father like there's just so much about that relationship and i i like that this is so much more about the mother-daughter relationship this is so much more about like the kind of you know default mother that dr lesh becomes for for diane um and that really like i mean if anything the son in the movie robbie is like the neglected middle child who just like is left to the devices of a tree a clown you know like they, they oh, can forget well, about robbie oh yeah like we need to talk about robbie but it's interesting that you think robbie is the neglected child dana is dana's the one that's like just com- like she comes in at the end like oh yeah dana you're here and she- get in <laughs> Well, Dana, I think she is. I, some of that also might. I feel like there was. I feel like there was something because Dominique Dunn was killed by like a stalker or something like not long after this movie. I feel like there was something. Wait, going Dominique on with, Dunn plays the daughter. The daughter, Dana. Okay, I Dana. feel like something was going on with Dominique Dunn because it, it, her character almost, you could almost write out of this movie. Oh yeah, completely, you know? completely. There was that. Uh, you know, there were a few moments. It's interesting that you're talking about the, 
the almost the lack of men or lack of father, even though the father just I feel like Craig T. Nelson, whenever he was in a scene, he needed to control the situation. Like he was always needing to have control. Um, and he had none of it, right? Obviously. But uh, the scene that I thought was interesting was when they were burying the, sorry, burying. Oh, I say that word wrong now. And I learned just recently. Um, they are burying the bird in the backyard. And, you know, that's a, a huge moment, right? For a family, you know, the loss of a pet. Craig T. Nelson is at work. He's gone. They don't like wait for him. It's the daughter, the mother, and Carol Ann. Sorry, Dana, the mother, and Carol Ann. And then even Robbie's up in the fucking tree. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there's I've I've watched this movie like a thousand times, and I just think there's something about the Freeling family that is a little a little wonky. And I think mm. like there's in the. In the novelization of it, they expand it, the idea that Dana is Diane's stepdaughter and that Dana oh. is Steve's daughter from the first marriage. Oh, because let me tell you, I was doing the math. Yeah. And I found out that Diane was 31. I'm sorry, 32. Yeah, <laughs> right. And Dana's 16. Yeah, no, it yeah, was like. I was like, oh, there's chi- they're, they're high school sweethearts. You uh-huh. know, like, there's a lot here. Right. And so, and I kind of, from the movie point of view, I could just, I could read that, oh yeah, they're high school sweethearts. She got pregnant young. Um, But I also like the idea that they did know each other in high school, but he ended up being with somebody else. Mm. And, you know, they later got together and then had, you know, Carol Ann and Robbie. So, um, right. Yeah, it's but but they are. I mean, even in that scene where like you know Diane smoke in you know, a rolling a joint. That and, is the best scene of the movie, Mary. It's so good, and she is so just like playing like playing high incredibly well, and he's reading the Reagan book, and you know they're they're just I can see who these people are, and I love that they are in this kind of quote unquote ideal picturesque sub- suburb, but they're. They're not fooling anybody. You know what I mean? Oh, no. They're doing fine. What I love about that scene is that it's not finally the parents are alone and oh, the kids are to bed, oh, exhausted. They're not fighting about money. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about how he works too much. They're not talking. About, you know what I mean? Like yeah. They're not, they're not worried about Dana getting getting pregnant in high school at the same age that she's was pregnant. You know what I mean? They're not, there's no worries. They're smoking pot in the 80s, Mary. Yeah. In a Reagan administration, they're smoking pot, and it's, like, totally fine. They're probably going to fuck in a little while. Yeah. It was fantastic to see this 1982, 1982 film that's like, yep, when the kids go to bed, parents, they're rolling joints in the bedroom. I love it. I just, I love it. I, I love their house. Absolutely looks like a house that like that family would live in. I love that like late seventies, early eighties kind of construction. I love the, the kind of lived in energy of their bedroom, you know? And like, yeah, they're going to oh, have bedroom was their own. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have sex on that old bed that they've had sex on a thousand times. And like, and, and you know, it, it, she knows all Steve's moves, you know? And, like... Oh, I wish. Oh, God. I mean, he is... Craig T. Nelson, it needs to be said now, is, like, at his, like, prime, oh, hot, God. suburban Punch me in the dad. Face hot. Punch yeah. me in the face hot, Mary. Yeah. Just, like, absolutely ruin me and put me out with the trash. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gobble be small. May drip down the side of me. Yeah. I'm just, like, please, Craig T. Nelson. What's the T, Christine? Yeah, yeah. It, it really, do a full Nelson on me. Yeah. 
So it's, I mean, Diane is a very lucky woman. Um, I, <laughs> she knows it too. She knows it. Oh, cause he's, yeah, she's been getting it for years. Uh, oh God. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the house because, you know, the crux of the movie is that, that they live on this suburban development that was built over a cemetery and they didn't move the bodies. Right. Like that's like mm -hmm. one of the reveals later in the movie. And, I couldn't help, I couldn't help but wonder, I couldn't help but understand that there's, there's a lot to be said about this like suburban dream, just kind of like covered in secrets or covering secrets, covering this like dark underbelly of white flight of of the American dream that's very skewed. You know, I just I went there uh, at a few points in the movie, especially whenever this capitalist boss was talking about the new development. I was like, yeah, this is that's actually he's evil. He's actually the reason why all of this is happening. This mm -hmm. is the evil. It's not the the devil that comes through the cl the closet, which is a whole other conversation. Um, you know, of yeah, getting sure. sucked back into the closet, right, in the suburbs. Um, but the the idea that the boss is the one just making all of these haunted ghost stories. I'm, yeah, Mr. Teague, uh, played by James Karen, who you may know from some old Pathmark commercials. Uh, okay, so, oh, you should, you should, you'll, it'll, it'll blow your mind uh, how much he is a part of your childhood. And you don't even know it. I was like, mm. I know this man. Um, I know that voice. I um, know that voice. But yeah, like I, it, it, it took me a while to like figure out like, okay, because like, why is this happening to the Freelings? Like, why isn't this happening to the Tuttles next door? You know, and oh, it's the Tuttles, the oh, Tuttles. It's a whole other story. Yeah, but it's because the Freelings, they're their part of the development is phase one mm -hmm. and Carol Ann was the first child born in phase one. And oh. that's why they're coming after her because they were the first family to move into phase one. And she was the first like child born in the new quest of Verde. Mm. And so, the, and I don't know why it's happening now. I think that's part of like the, the, the horror movie at the of it that Dr. Lesh explains, like these things just happen and then they just go away. There's no explanation, yeah. you know? Right. Oh, interesting. I remember hearing or watching the movie and being like, oh, phase one, what is, is there's something going on there. Uh, now, okay, that all makes sense now. It all makes sense. But yeah, these are all, I mean, there's so many, I hate to like put the pun on it, but there's the devil is in the details in this movie. Like you really have to pay attention to the scene where Craig T. Nelson is showing around another couple yeah. looking to move in and being like, and the couple being like, well, you know, I can't really tell the difference between any of these houses. Right, right, exactly. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you know you'll get used to it. Or, and I think the wife says, oh, were you in that more lived in section down right. the hill? Yes. Yeah. And that's when he talks about phase one. Right, yeah. right. Because um, then later when Mr. Teague is showing him up on the hill and this is going to be phase five and here is uh -huh. a perfect place for a bedroom. And um, and that's when they do that, that great pan over to all the, the uh, gravestones. It looked, it looked well, here's the thing, Mary. They panned over the gravestones, but then they in the same shot, you could see the undeveloped houses that were also kind of like gravestones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you look at like the overhead shot of the village or of the suburban town, this picturesque, like millions of kids out on their bikes and there's no crime, right? There is also a cemetery quality to it. 
Yeah, every, I mean, everyone's in their little ticky-tacky boxes. You're every, you know, I think that's the thing about when you see certain suburbs where it's just like – it's just rows of just rows of graves that you're paying for in mortgages. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, and it, that's certainly how this can look. Yeah. It's just an interesting way to think about it, especially when you think like, you know, it's this open land that is just being developed over with no, with no thought about what's underneath. You know. Well, it's funny. My uh, my brother and sister-in-law they're out outside sacramento and they are in a town called el dorado hills that i think for a while was literally just hills and everything in that area spare maybe like a couple of little like motorhome you know parks that have been there for a while is all like they they built something called town center that's just kind of like a glorified strip mall wow. with you know some outdoor seating and some nice little walkways and cute little but you know there's still like a target and a movie theater and there's a fountain but like they've uh, they established a quote unquote town center they built like my my brother and sister-in-law probably live in like a phase three of an area that has eight phases you know what i mean uh-huh. and like and i li- i stayed there with them for like a month and a half and there is a sense when you're out there, especially in a neighborhood like that, that's otherwise surrounded by not much, where mm-hmm. you do kind of feel like you're almost on like a movie set, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it's it, it's it's evoking something. It's supposed to mimic something. Yes, it's, it's, it's trying to create something that isn't there organically. Yeah, you know? it's like Las Vegas, right? Yeah, like it shouldn't yeah. shouldn't exist in the desert, right? But they built it. Right. And it's like, and there's just, there's the space. I mean, outside by Eldorado Hills, there's nothing but room to do this. They're not using the hills for anything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the population need for it. But you just can see how, yeah, we're going to manufacture a, a bucolic life, you know, that otherwise, you know, wasn't there two years ago, you know? Yeah. God, there's just those little details of this movie that make me think Poltergeist, first of all, is a lot more than what I remembered it to be. It's a lot less scary than I remembered it to be, mm-hmm. uh, which I was happy to see. And, you know, I for a movie that's supposed to be, like, about a family and about the power of family, right, I, I couldn't help but feel like it was so much more about um, the horror of the suburbs. I think I think it can be both. I kind of feel like almost the end of the movie feels like a, a real punchline to that where it's like all that's left is just it it's like seeing oh, a family yeah. kind of you know gather into a single holiday in room that to me that's like a family that has lost everything you know what i mean uh-huh. like that's the image of like now we're living in a motel room like this is all that we have left and uh including the dog which so important oh, ebaz does not get he he is in the action, but never gets hurt and does not die. So it's E Buzz. I thought they kept calling it Eve. Yeah, I don't even know what E Buzz stands for. I thought it was Eve. It's and then not. they said the Eve Buzz. Okay, it's it's not. not. Right, and E-Buzz. I even saw in his bowl. It says and I because I thought it, was it E-Buzz. says E Buzz on the yeah yeah E Buzz. E Buzz. So. I mean, the dog is best supporting dog, right? Uh, There's sweetie. oh my god the 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 moment that that award should have been given. I don't know how they directed this dog to do this, but that scene when they send the eight-year-old boy away in a taxi by himself. Oh, God. Oh, I love that scene so much. And then the dog does a, well, 
okay, I guess I'll go with them, you know? So my my reading of that performance, because that's what I'm going to call that performance by E-Buzz, is he turns around like, are you really going to make him go alone? Why didn't they have somebody go with him? I, I was just like, this is a child who is horrified, right. right? Is traumatized and has been traumatized, right? But that's what I love about that scene is so the dog joins him in the taxi and then the last shot is him just staring dead-eyed at them as, as they're like, call me, sweetie, and he's just staring at them catatonic. I love that. I love the, mm. like, bad... I, I want to say bad parenting, quote-unquote, of that. I love the, like... It almost makes sense to me in the way of like they're not even paying attention to him. Carol Ann's stuck in the TV. They're like, "All right, Robbie, we'll call us when you're at grandma's." Like their like level of what's dangerous is so different now. They're like, "Whatever, he'll be fine." Like That's he needs true. a companion certainly more than Ebuzz, but um, it, I, well, I love that. I love how fucked up that is. Yeah, I the line. Oh God, Robbie. Call me okay. <laughs> Call me okay. <laughs> Call me okay. Um, and then the dog, like, like, kind of running towards the car. And then when the dog looks back in the dog's eyes, it's like, "Are you really gonna let him go alone?" And then he jumps into the car. Yeah, that's what I got from that scene, and I thought it was so well done. Oh, that scene is so. I just love it. I love like the intentional representation of Robbie. That's why I mean he's like the neglected child. They're not paying any attention. Like he is staring at them as if he has seen the devil himself. And they're like, call me, okay? I love that. Because I think that like, that's why I love Diane is like, she's not a perfect, like no one's a perfect mom, you know, whatever that means. But like, she is, she's, I mean, you know, we had some talk of doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre this week, uh, mm. but would have been the, an interesting kind of double feature because it's the same director, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think what what's similar but to different degrees is that uh, Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Diane in Poltergeist, it's like they refuse to quit. They refuse to quit. You know, like they they will not stop until they get out or they get their kids out of there. Like that's the running theme in both of those movies. And I get them out of there. Just get them out of there. You know, get it out of here. And I just love that. Like Diane is just like soul focused on this getting her daughter back. I love the idea that maybe she's a little high for a lot of it. Oh, I I mean, if she if they're willing to hit the flask, they're willing to hit the pot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that pot is in that house. You know, it's not like uh-huh. there wasn't any pot. It's not uh, in the ha- in the haunted bedroom. You can go in the bed in the, in the master <laughs> exactly, bedroom. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't yeah. an haunted one. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. One time, Mary, I spent twenty minutes looking for my glasses. And he needs his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. Well, guess what, Mimi? They were on my face the entire time, just waiting for me to notice them. I kind of feel like maybe looking in the mirror might have helped. That's actually kind of how therapy works. Oh, we're talking about therapy? (laughs) We are, Mary. Well, I do love therapy. A therapist doesn't necessarily solve all your problems, but helps you see the solutions and become a better problem solver on your own. Oh, I hear that. Just by talking through something with a therapist, I often get to those aha moments completely on my own. Marys, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's affordable, accessible, convenient, and entirely online, so you don't need to leave the comfort of that cozy caftan. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AllRightMary today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash AllRightMary. All right, Mary.
you know, there's a, a bunch of details that just made me very nostalgic or just made me think of things I was afraid of when I was a child. But uh, I do want to just acknowledge the Star Wars representation in this movie, but also the Star Wars sheets in particular. Uh, they were a moment, I remember my friends having them when I was at sleepovers, my neighbor had everything Star Wars, including the sheets. Um, and so when I saw the Star Wars sheets, I was like, oh God, feelings, right? It was just like, oh. Well, uh, and there was one point where Carol Ann had like a Luke Skywalker action figure in her mouth while she in was her mouth. sleeping. Yeah, yeah, it was in her mouth, like a little cigarette. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I wonder if it kind of pinged for you, but at one point, Carol Ann, when Diane, towards the beginning of the movie, is putting them to bed, putting the children to bed, uh, Caroline calls out and says, you know, closet light, closet light, closet light. She, she turns on the closet light and starts to close the door. I, I think it's because of the movie Ghostbusters, actually, but I, to this day, don't like being in a dark room where a door is closed and the light is on behind the door. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Like, even if it's like the door is closed and the light is on in the hallway. Right. I don't like that. I yeah. like, uh, I don't like it when they're like, if the closet light is on and I'm in my dark bedroom and the closet door is closed, that creeps me out. Mm, yeah. There's almost like the, you just can feel the energy on the other yes. side of the door. Yeah. yeah. Something's in there, right? Something mm -hmm. should be going on in there, you know? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. This means that something like if I wake up in the middle of the night and the light is on in the closet, someone's in there. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh my god, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy as fuck. Uh, but I guess for them, it's a little bit of a nightlight. Uh, yeah, it's a nightlight. I get yeah. that. And it. it look what happened. <laughs> look, look what, what happened, happened to the cook. You know. Yeah. And now your sister <laughs> is dead. Well, now your sister is in the TV. Yeah. <laughs> your sister is dragged into, into yeah. another world. Um, yeah. Th that part. Um, there was a lot of imagery in this movie that, you know, you kind of revisit. I haven't seen Poltergeist probably in over 30 years, Mary. Like, Oh, wow. Oh, I don't think I've seen, I think I've seen like the third one more recently, the one where mm -hmm. they're in a hotel, which is that one. That's the one where then they're in the sky, the uh, skyscraper in Chicago. Yeah, the skyscraper. With, yeah, with Nancy Allen. Yeah. Um, but uh, the clown, right? Very, very formative. That oh. clown doll. I feel like that's, one of the things I liked is like, there are these things like the creepy tree outside the window mm -hmm. or the thunder or the creepy clown or the closet light. Like there's so much about the little things that scare us as kids. And then each of those things ends up attacking them, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, as uh, watching this movie back as an adult, right? Like, I don't know. I get scared kind of easily and I was not, I wasn't scared watching this movie, uh, which is a good thing uh, for me. Um, but yeah, though the clown was certainly, I was like, Oh man, like, was the clown trope before this? You know what I mean? I know it existed, but like, you know what I mean? Like the clown. Yeah, I don't know. Doll. Yeah. Like the, the, the clown as a scary, I, you know, I'm sure there was something in the seventies. What, what was, what was that serial killer? John, I know. John, right. John Wayne yeah, Gacy. Yeah, yeah. John Wayne yeah. Gacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say like, again, I've seen this so many times that so it's not scary, but I, I'm always like, swept up in this movie i get choked up at parts of this movie i like i get the, the last 15 minutes i'm on the edge of my seat every time like so let's talk about the last 15 minutes because let me tell you as i was watching this movie i was like oh i thought i thought the clown attacked the kid and then i was like 
oh, doesn't she kind of get ravaged by a ghost and like dragged up the wall? And then I was like, wait, doesn't doesn't somebody does, does somebody fall into a pool or somebody falls into that pool? There's skulls. Like I just kept remembering all these things. And then when Carol Ann and Diana are in the bathtub covered in you know the the matter, I was like, oh, I guess that's the sequel. Mm-hmm, right. And then an entirely other movie starts. Yeah. I fucking love that, that it was like, like we go through this whole climactic experience. They get her back. It all feels like, you know, this house is clean. You get the the last shot is this look of relief on Beatrice Strait's face. I just love that they gave her that moment. And, you know, Steve and Diane crying in the bathroom with Carol Ann, Mm. uh, which is a a great moment when she's like, hi, daddy. And they both start crying. Uh Um, But uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what they're still doing in that house. Like, pay someone well, to move out, out of the house. Right, yeah. right, but there's that sense of, like, I wouldn't be sleeping in that Why bedroom are you sleeping again. There? They're right. literally sleeping in that bedroom. I know. I was like, what are you doing? What I are know. You, doing? you bastard. She's you just stoner. a baby. She's just a baby. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and you that. stoner. She's just a baby. You stoner. She's just a baby. <laughs> And then the house is like, uh-uh, bitch, you went in there. You came into my space and took her. I'm coming into your space. You yeah. don't even know what I'm about to do. And I just – and the fact that Steven's not there and it's Diane. Yeah, where is he? Is he's, he's back at work. He's wrapping up some stuff at work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the men. The men. But, like – that is so great that it's like he wasn't even there to save yeah. the day. Like right. she had to go through that whole experience. I just think that is so like as, as the one who went to the other side and got her daughter. I love that the house was like, oh, no, it's you and me, bitch. You yeah, know? right. Well, and there's a lot of like, I don't know, you could see some like like vagina imagery in the closet. And uh-huh. even, obviously uh-huh. the, the almost like being reborn when, you know, she's holding her child and uh, even the. The pool, when she gets, when she's mm-hmm. in the pool, it's kind of like, a, you know, a, a bad version of something like that. And then uh, the the tree also is kind of vaginal. I don't know. There was like a lot of that imagery here. And the mm. house kind of being this like maternal figure. I don't know. I It's interesting because she is there. She, she, she doesn't have a job, right? She's raising the kids. That's her job. And he goes away. And so the house is kind of like, her territory it's just an interesting kind of like gender thing that's happening here this alignment i guess yeah well i think it's like there is a real feminine energy to this movie it's ultimately the mother who is the parent who can connect with carolan and get her back it's a a female doctor that they bring in it's a female you know uh tangina that they bring in the mm-hmm. assistants to dr lesh are men mm, you know like yeah it, it's, and, and craig t is the one that like has to scare yeah, Carolan, right? but ultimately, like, he he struggles with making the connection to her on the other side more so than Diane. Like, Diane makes full connections with That's her. That's right. That's right. And I just and, – and we see in that opening scene – or that scene when they're getting stoned, there's something in their conversation about how Diane is talking about Carol Ann, you know, sleepwalking. And mm, right. maybe it's – and there's and she, t- she mentioned something that happened to her as a kid. Uh-huh. So Diane reads to me as someone who's always been a little bit open to kind of the woo-woo and, the and like, the oh, unexplained. She embraces the ghost in the kitchen. Completely. Like she's into it kind of right away when shit goes down. 
like, you know, when Dr. Lesh and the assistants come to the house, Steven is a wreck and she's the one who's like, oh yeah, the lights are going to flash two more times. Yep, Just wait. Right. Like it's, it really is like the feminine energy uh, is so dominant in this movie. Like it really, I think it's part of what I love about it is um, even though the score is so masculine, but that's part of the, I love that as well. The score is just so wow, 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 you know? Well, it's very, um, I don't know. I feel like the score, is it wrong to say, like, I I would love to see this with another score? That is wrong. That is completely wrong. Uh, yeah, because you know what? It is feminine The score as well. is great, but I There's will say, a... like, there were times when I was like, huh, all right, you're doing that. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, I would say I... I uh, wholeheartedly disagree. This is one of my favorite scores. I love that it has a lullaby quality, but then it goes to that big mm. Jerry Goldsmith place, like when she's in the pool trying to get out, and it's just... That's the time that I noticed the score the most, actually. Yes, was that moment, and I was like, okay, now I hear the score. Ugh, it's, I, it's so beautiful. I just love it. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't change a note. I will say the opening of this movie, even... Oh God! I just keep hearing a commentary on the suburbanness of this movie. The opening of the movie is the Star Spangled Banner, and then the word Poltergeist comes on screen. Yeah, yeah. You just don't expect that it, this type of movie to be opening with the, the Star Fucking Spangled Banner, right? That what that song represents and what that that song means for people, how sacred that song is. The fact that. I mean, I remember growing up, though, that there was a time of the night when, yeah, TV would stop. It actually would just stop. Yeah. Um, the, the, I don't remember. Yeah, go ahead. This is, and it would, it would be the Star Spangled Banner, and then it would end. Yeah. Like, that was the, yes. the end of the transmission for the night. Yeah. And, um, God, just, just for this movie to start there uh, was like, okay, what happens when there's no TV, right? Because there's also this part of the movie a reading of this movie that I kind of love, which is that, you know, it's, it's the TV that's going to take our kids. It's the TV that's actually making is haunting us. It's this, the this TV, technology, right? Yeah. It causes conflict with his neighbor, with Mr. Uh -huh. Tuttle. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's the way in which they lose their daughter. It's the yep. way in which they can communicate and connect with her again. Diane says it sounds weird, but she, you can hear her better on channel three, you know, like mm. there is, uh, and then of course at the very end, the, the joke of like yes. pushing the TV Get out rid of, of the, the room. TV. Yeah. yeah. Like it's the TV just the family. is ruining the, the, the family. Yeah. The TV is what's coming in between the family from connecting with each other and things like that. Um, I also, I want to quote, um, I think it was Beatrice Strait who says, who's kind of talking about the people that are with Carol Ann on the other side, the, the, the ghosts. And, you know, she's talking, she's like, maybe they hadn't lived fully yet or they'd lived a long, long time and they still wanted more life. They resist going into that light however hard the light wants them. They just hang around, watch TV, watch their friends grow up feeling unhappy and jealous and those feelings are bad. They hurt. And there's something about the TV people being those people. Right. Right. That, that like she is, Carol Ann has been kind of sucked into the other side of the American dream of 
TV you, people of becoming a TV person yeah. where you move into the suburbs and you just get sucked into your television. Yeah. You, you just know? get sucked in the television. You're just kind of lulled and you just and watch life go by. Yeah. Or you're on Instagram or Facebook or on the computer and you're, you know, you're jealous of everybody else. You're uh -huh. watching your friends grow up. You know, you're just kind of doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, ultimately like, this is gravestones. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, and this is the Freeling's American nightmare, and the only way that it ends is the complete destruction of the home itself. Correct, correct, and to leave and, and to then leave. throw out the TV. Yeah, throw out the TV. and as they're leaving, it's as if the whole neighborhood is going up in flames. You know, like, oh my god, yeah, no, it's bad. Like you yeah. don't know what happens to that neighborhood. After no, because all of a sudden it's like now that pipe burst, now yep. that exploded. It's like oh, okay, it so to one family, it's going to happen to the others. There's yeah. no reason it couldn't happen to the Tuttles next. You know, and it's right. like it drove the freelings out next to the Tuttles, you know? And I think that that's, it is, it's so, and, and the fact that the movie, other than when they go to Dr. Uh, Lesh's office and then at the Holiday Inn, the movie never leaves Cuesta Verde, which is the development they live in. We never leave that neighborhood. Mm. The entire movie. And so there's that, too, of, like, we don't ever see Diane at the supermarket. We don't ever see, like, where, what the rest of their life looks like. We don't see the family. You know, they go out, out to dinner. Yeah. You go out to right. dinner. Like, it is, I think there's something about, like, the fact that the movie barely leaves the house as well. And isn't that what happens is you just get, you become a TV person. You barely leave the house. You don't see the rest of the world, literally, you know? Yeah. You're like, Oh, I'll just build a pool in my backyard. We don't need to go somewhere. Yeah. There is a pool. We don't need to go on we vacation. Don't need the yeah. ocean, even though we're on the West coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, uh, it certainly is. Uh, and, and the idea of course, obviously that this whole American dream was built on the desecrated graves of people. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, for sure. The commentary I mean, like, is not, not there you know yeah oh for sure like and i don't i i it, it just was not lost on me right like indigenous people's day was a couple weeks ago you know you can't help but kind of hear all of that in this movie um but certainly the commentary on technology um even even the technology where they were filming things and 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 recording the ghosts right like it it wasn't doing anything it was just, it was passive. It wasn't actively solving anything. Who cares if they recorded the ghosts? Well, I think for people at their level, that some, that's, you know, I think they even talked about that, that there was, um, they had captured like some kind of, you know, paranormal motion, something that had been moved, you know, by some over spirit hours, and right? over seven hours. And then yeah. they open the bedroom and it's like, everything is spinning. There's a record <laughs> yeah. playing itself. So this is already like, what their goals are in terms of what they want to capture and even prove that any of this is real. Like this house is like, Oh, you want proof? Just go upstairs uh, or just wait for the lights to flicker or whatever. You know what I mean? And so like, they are certainly in over their heads, but um, you know, and obviously the house in whatever way, especially with um, Marty, that guy, the one night who then goes to make food and then, Oh, that's, Mary, that was horrifying. Yeah, and the stake comes to life, and he imagines that he's ripping his face off. Oh, I hated that. I forgot all about that scene. It's uh, oh, it's so awful. I, even every time I watch this movie, I have to look away. It's so the way the light gets brighter. It's like it's so surprisingly awful. The maggots on the piece of meat uh -huh. that he's eating. The chicken oh. yeah, on the piece. The the chicken the leg. Chicken, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, I, I love that there is kind of that, like, I'm just trying to drive you out, drive you out. And, you know, 
Beatrice Strait. I love that she's like, I'm not leaving. Because the next morning, you know, they have that great scene in the kitchen where she tells Diane, you know. Oh, yeah. She's like, but I'm coming back. Marty will be leaving. But, you know, Ryan and I, you know, and Ryan will be back and I will be back. And then they hug. And what I love about that scene is that, like, they they don't. They linger that hug. They linger there. And they don't even highlight it. But during while they're talking, Diane just has, like, a casual tear running down her cheek. Uh It's just so, like, and then they and then they hug and I'm like I always get choked up in that scene because I just love that it transcends into this like I got you girl you know uh, I got you girl you got me gal you got um, me gal there is uh, you know uh, I don't know this is a passing kind of comment while we're talking about like well I'm coming back for you don't worry uh, one thing I do remember is like well we haven't even called the police like we're just coming straight to you because what are the police yeah, going to do? Right. Just, it, that's also something that I think is very interesting about a suburban family, right? Trying to solve the mystery of their kidnapped child. You know what I mean? It's like, what can the police do? Well, and I love that the movie didn't linger on like, okay, let's have the cops come in and say, well, I don't yeah, know. We'll file a report, uh, ma'am. I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Like, I think that... It, I, I I think it also kind of speaks to who these people are, like you know, especially Diane. Like oh, the idea ooh, of like, yeah. let's go talk to God. You know, God knows how they found Doctor Lesh. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the fact that she was even on her radar in any way, or they thought to find her, um, is just so in character for them. Of like, we're dealing with something that's bigger than the police. Isn't she reading something interesting? Diane in bed. Yeah, she's I reading think so. something interesting versus his Reagan. Right. Well, she's rolling the joint, so I don't know if she's reading. Oh, something. she wasn't reading something. Yeah. Oh, why do I feel like there was something interesting that, like, a book of hers in particular? Yeah, there's some kind of detail. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of what it is. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no. Diane is she? She was the right mother at the right time for this movie. You know. Yeah, and I think. I think Joe Beth Williams is Oscar worthy in this movie. I think she is unbelievable. I will not hear you. If you don't agree, you just don't say anything. I totally agree, Mary. I totally agree. The only thing I really pushed back on you was, was like, I don't know if Dr. Lesh and Tangina were totally, uh, like they, they were also human, right? Like uh, they were both in over their heads at one point. Even Tangina, when Craig T. Nelson was like, what do we do now? What do we do now? And she's just like, she was just spouting some like crazy thing, like let them pass on. And what I was just like, Oh my God, do you have a plan? Right. Well, even like that one point where she was, where, where Diane was like, she'll okay. never follow you, you know, about, you know, going to the right, side. Right, right. And then she's like, okay. Tangina's like, you're right. You <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> well, I think it's like, oh, what I love is it's three women against the other side. You know what I mean? With like help from, uh, Craig T. Nelson, Craig T. Nelson. help from Ryan played by Ryan. Richard uh-huh. Lawson, Ryan's, who, yeah. He's down there. He's I like him. I like that. He's a part of it. Um, not, you know, I, I think it's always worth kind of noting when it's like, you know, a black character gets to be something more than a victim or like a punchline. Like, right. And doesn't like, leave. He's not, doesn't the one leave. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's a very sensible kind of ally in all of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have this little clip of Joe oh, Williams as Diane this. of yeah. uh, like, I have a couple clips, but I, cause I just, I, this is, Top five favorite movies, top five favorite movie performances is Joe Beth Williams' as Diane. And this scene always gets me. She just moved through me. My God. I felt her. 
seconds, Mellor. It's her. It's her. I smell my clothes. It's her. She's all over me. It's her. She's all over me. It's her. I felt her. It is. It's her. It is. It is. It's my baby. It's my baby. She went through my soul. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, God damn it, like you didn't have to do all of this. Yeah, she really like goes there and she really like the way that her, she breaks and went through my soul. soul oh and just uh, like the way she says soul is everything but she's just like the breathing that she's doing and the physicality that she mm -hmm. brings to this yeah like, this very easily could be like a cheesy moment in a 1980s horror movie or quote-unquote horror movie right but it it's actually it's it's pretty genuine and it it's Right in character for her and 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 Diane, it's a brilliant performance. Everybody in this movie, w except for maybe some of the children, um, were fantastic. Were fucking yeah. fantastic. Oh, everyone is everyone is great. I mean, it, the the idea that Beatrice Strait is in this, who I just, oh I know you know no, I know lived for. and she didn't have to be good either. Like no. she didn't have to be good in that role or have any depth to that role, and yet. We get like this great backstory. We don't get a lot of backstory from the the assistants, which is fine. We really mm. just needed Doctor Lesh. Yeah, I like that we have that whole almost like whispered scene between Diane oh and Doctor Lesh. Oh my god, that scene was brilliant, Mary. Yeah, and that uh, scene, yeah, that's the one where she was talking about the the dead people that moved on. Uh -huh. it, that whisper scene. Oh, I like. I was like, they're still whispering. Why? Yeah, I love when Diane like starts to laugh. She goes, "Your hands were shaking earlier." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right. Dr. Lesh says, "That's not all. I'm absolutely terrified." <laughs> and I I saw this was playing at the the Regal Theaters in Astoria recently because it was like the 40th anniversary of Poltergeist, so they're playing yeah. in theaters. And so I went to see it because I just wanted to see it in the big screen and there was like 10 people there, but it made me so happy that like Beatrice Strait got a big laugh from the audience on that line. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is like all I needed for the whole year was for a, for 10 people to appreciate Beatrice Strait right now. Oh God. Yeah. The, the movie has some really great moments. Um, I, I do want to quote Craig T. Nelson. I forgot about this line. You son of a bitch. You only move the headstones. You only move the headstones. And then he just screams and screams. I love that. Cause a part of me was like, why are you stopping to talk to him and tell us this? That's true. But I love that Steven has lost his mind. I just, yeah. he's just like, it, it's, it's great. Um, my other absolute favorite moment in this movie is after Diane gets out of the pool, the Tuttles won't help her, and she runs back into the house, mm. and she's screaming, and I have a clip, you know, get away from my babies, and then she gets upstairs. And oh, then this the is the best part. It's the yes. best part, and the hallway just, and the music, the music uh -huh. is unbelievable uh. in this scene, uh. and the hallway just starts stretching, and it's almost like a nautical kind of like dong, dong, and then the way she like breaks through it, and it becomes this like march as she like runs through it and gets to the door. Oh, it's here we well, go. Well, and then what ensues when she opens the door? I mean, uh, and then yeah, then it immediately there's goes a campy her... quality to it, but I also yeah. love it. She yeah. swings into the room, and suddenly she's hanging uh -huh. onto the door for dear life. <laughs> yeah. Now grab your sister. No, we'll Come get on. there. We'll get there. So here's the first part that I was just talking about. Get away from my baby! 
so wild how like the the emotional transition of her like yowling like a banshee get away from my babies which i can't get enough of and then like turning and looking up the hallway and then the way it slows down and gets all kind of like mm-hmm. woozy and then you're like oh and like you can feel that wooziness that like heaviness and i just i again i love how then the music goes with her running and breaking i take back it. what i said about thor i take back take what i said back. about thor Thank the score you. is great the score is great there's a lot of iconic moments i will stand by it would be interesting to hear Another voice. That's. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, that, but I could say that about a lot of movies. But I will I, say sure. the score I, is great. I wonder the what the Suspiria score would sound like to this movie. You know, um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. But then, as you said, then she she is swings into the room, and this like vagina in the closet is trying mm-hmm. to suck the kids into into the closet with her, and she's. I've I've been saying this all day. Is she? You know, she gets a hold of Robbie's hand and. <laughs> And then it's like, now grab your sister. Come on. And here's the clip. Now grab your sister. Come on. Now grab your sister. Grab her. It's like, it is such a mom moment. It's yeah. such a. Come on, grab her. Come on. It is so. I just fully hear the mom in Diane in that moment. And I just, I, I just love that. Now grab your sister. Come on. <laughs> right, right. You got to grab your sister. What yeah. are you talking about? I can't. No, come on. No, come on. And then the other thing I love about this scene, and I've always loved about this, is that they're this like human chain hanging out the door, you know, like. Mm. And. I, there isn't much in the way of religion in this movie. There isn't much about God or anything other than that. And I don't ever get the impression that that's they, they're not a church-going family. But there's this great moment, and it's this like close-up shot of Diane's face where I feel like in this absolute moment of desperation, she's like, well, let me see if God will help. And I just, I've always loved this little clip. And it's just this little moment where it's like, all right, let me see if God will help me. And that's like, then she like manages to get the kids out in the hallway. And I don't know, like that, that always resonated to me as like not a throwaway moment. God help me. You know, I, uh, it's interesting because I remember Zelda Rubenstein's character, Rubenstein, um, Zelda's character, Tangina, she is kind of expanding on what Dr. Lesh kind of talked about, about these TV people. And she's like, well, yeah, actually, there's a really bad, bad spirit in there. Like, one that I've never experienced before. One that, you know, is really, really kind of dangerous. Uh, Like, your daughter thinks it's another child, but it's the beast. Mm. And when she said the beast, like, I was like, oh, so it is kind of, there's some Christianity in here because she's talking about the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That or like some kind of overlap of you know a similar idea of uh-huh, right. the interpretation of the Christian devil. This is maybe a, a similar being, um, and that there's a, dece- a, a, a deception. A deception. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. and that you know, which is uh, very 
you know, there's a Judeo Christian Christian yeah. kind of aspect there. Go towards the light, don't uh-huh. eat the apple. I mean, come yeah. on. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Now grab your sister's <laughs> hand. I can't get enough of it. I just uh, uh but um but yeah, there is that. I mean, I you can't deny that there is that there is like a god and devil type of thing, especially when it's like go towards the light, like pass on. You know? Yeah, right, right. That you know that there's some kind of afterlife that we are dealing with here. Uh, it's, I mean, and and I think though that it doesn't ever. I'm so glad they don't bring a priest in. I gotta say, like, I'm not a yeah, big fan too. of exorcism movies because I always feel like the exorcism is kind of boring. Oh, the actual exorcism, just like the whole idea of it, it like is a little. It's a little passive, like, not that it, they have to be compared, but I think, like, you look at, the, I think the movie The Exorcist is a great movie, but I think once they get to, like, exercising Ro- uh, the, the devil out of Reagan, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a similar kind of, like, it's a whole set piece, you know, in the same way that this is a set piece of getting Carol Ann back from the other side. But I feel like there is an adrenaline and emotion and, like, an energy to this scene that, uh, that, you know, there's like Steven pulling the rope too quickly. Mm. There is, you know, even like there's just so much more that I think happens in this moment versus like, and now we will go through the ritual of the exorcism and now the bed is rising. Like, I think I all this to say that I, I when it comes to like paranormal stuff or whatever, I feel like exorcisms slow things down the way like the police showing up slow things down. Interesting. No, I totally hear that. I totally hear that. Did you see? There are some exorcism movies, though, where I feel like it, I don't, I guess I don't notice the religious people coming in, like um, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Insidious, I think, has an exorcism. Um, Oh, yeah, those movies, I feel like I'm never, like, moved to check out. I don't mm. know. Like, I, I, like, The Conjuring. I've never watched any of The Conjuring movies. (sighs) Those, those movies really freak me out. They really do. And now and I'm I've never seen them so obviously I don't know but like my impression or maybe what stops me from watching them is that there is sort of a like almost like a self-satisfied like look at this thing we're doing right now. Yes. That, like, oh, completely. Almost, completely. I feel like it might take me out of the scare, you know. Well, I, the thing is is like I don't know, I feel like you me certain people like poltergeist, we like um uh, all them witches. Uh, we like Rosemary's Baby. Uh-huh. We, you know, we like the horror movies that are um, epic. You know, <laughs> like there's yeah. a lot going on. The performances are really good. Whereas I feel like with The Conjuring, you know, obviously you get Patrick Wilson, who's just like absolutely gorgeous, mm. um, and Vera. And, uh, okay, and but you don't get the performances that you get with even Jaws. Right, which isn't as yeah. female heavy, unfortunately. Like, unfortunately, but like the men in that movie are fantastic. Oh, I finally saw it again recently, and I, or no, I finally saw it. Period. Recently, because I never wanted to see it because like Lorraine Gary doesn't go out on the boat, you know. So like, she what's the point? No. Uh, yeah. Not until the fourth one, I think she's. On no, the boat. then yeah. she goes out on the boat. God, <laughs> God help us all. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, she doesn't go out on the water in Jaws two either, but she does no. have a great moment on the beach. The whole beach. The whole beach. It's incredible. Um, but I did finally watch Jaws, and the one big takeaway I had was like, yeah, the men are great. I really love Richard Dreyfuss's character, yes. and I wish. That was played by Tyne Daly. I mm. would love Jaws if Richard Dreyfuss' character was like a woman like Tyne Daly. Interesting. Yeah. No, Jaws is, uh, it, there are, there's not enough women at no. all. 
but there aren't. It's, but it's great. It's a good movie. Oh my, I still was really, really into it. Like the scene where, because I never knew about this, where uh, Richard Dreyfuss' character is attacked in the cage towards, mm-hmm. the, towards the end. <gasps> Scared the yeah, shit know. out of me. No, I know. I, I thought that you, was so cool. You didn't even like, know what would happen to him. And no. He has to hide. Yeah, he has to hide. And I thought, man, what if that was Tyne? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, if it was Killer Queen. Oh my God! If it was Killer Queen from Drag Race España in that scuba gear, yeah. Um, yeah, I Jaws. I love like there's there's certain movies like Hereditary. I know we love because there's like bigger things going on. The Babadook, right? Um, there's horror movies that aren't pop horror, right? We like Scream, right? We like because there's like things to say about it. Um, I like the campy quality of Freddy's Revenge, right? There's, I, I like it when the movie is not just a horror movie. Yeah, and I think with like, I think there's also something about like, it's interesting when a movie is not just a horror movie and when it is just a horror movie. You know what I mean? Because I think that the insidious movies are not just horror movies in a negative way. Like they are exercises oh. in jump scares and style. Oh, you know? okay, okay. Or okay. The Conjuring or whatever. Like, And again, from what I've interpreted, or a lot of modern horror movies, it's a lot about very familiar stylistic ways of doing things. Jump cuts, that kind of swelling kind of uh-huh. background thing that's right, meant to build right. tension. Um, you know, just certain like as they close the bathroom mirror, now there's somebody behind them, you know, like, yes, right. things that we've seen that are, are less about being watching a scary movie and more about all these little like ha- haunted house gotchas, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of feel like a movie like Poltergeist, again, not, the scariest movie, but in terms no. of like, you know, do I get wrapped up in it? Is it exciting? Do I get a thrill from it? Yes. I feel like why I love it or the things that I love about it is the ways in which the last 15 minutes is just a horror movie in that it's just like woman has to get her kids out of this fucking house and then isn't just a horror movie because the the suburban dream is trying to eat them alive. You know what I mean? Um, and that's it's just like what's what I'm drawn to so much of this movie and I like what makes me want to watch it again and again is seeing the 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 bigger picture here Clint you know yeah well I mean that's why Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's part of why it is so good is that mm. it is part in one way it is just a fucked up yeah 90 you can minutes. watch it like that Yep. Yeah, it is, it, and the, even the story itself is so random. I I love the interpretation that like as randomly as these five people wander into this nightmare is as randomly as it ends. Like it's just and it's over, you know. And mm. uh, even though there's a survivor it, it, and she gets away, it's still kind of like this is just where the nightmare ended. There's no real ceremony to it, you know. And I feel like in that's part of why I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I also love. That there, it is swimming in commentary. Yes. It is swimming in oh, commentary. Completely. You know? Completely. Completely. And yeah. so it's really, and it's funny sometimes. And it's like well acted. You know, it's beautifully shot. It's like, and I think there's that too that like, I think some of those, these newer movies, you know, even like Malignant from like a couple years ago that I feel was, I don't think of that as like a horror movie. I think of it as this kind of like, viral moment in movies you know what i mean where did you see malignant i didn't end up watching it oh do you know the whole like the big goopy thing about it that it's her or something that it's her and then like it's it's basically like this uh this twin that exists in uh, that basically 
takes over her body in reverse because its face is on the back of her head and then like breaks her body so that it can then take over and kill a bunch of people. I'm not even explaining it well. It is so insane, the revelation of like, oh, it's just this like, you know, half-formed twin that's been growing on the back of her. Mm. Um, But I don't think of that as like this – the insanity that comes out of Malignant – I don't think of with the same way I think of the insanity of the last 15 minutes of Poltergeist. I just think of it as like, God, that was insane. But there was no meaning to it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. You know, I, it's, it's interesting because I think about horror movies that stick around, right? And, and I think about – it makes me think of The Twilight Zone. There's a reason why The Twilight Zone kind of transcends generations. Why, like, you could be a kid and really into The Twilight Zone in the 70s and then be into it as an adult when you're watching it in 2000. But then if you're a kid that's watching the Twilight Zone marathon by accident on New Year's Eve or something, you get really into it. You don't really know why you're really into it. And then when you're an adult, you're like, oh, my God, they're, they're saying a lot here. right? But it's still kind of creepy and eerie and scary. And I think it's because it is there is something that sticks more than just the jump scares. And it's when movies like Rosemary's Baby, like Poltergeist, like The Exorcist, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Scream, um, that kind of not, I don't want to say transcend the genre because, but they do, but where they're, they're tapping into something that's kind of timeless that you can, that you can get into at any age and it will still always be there for you to watch. And I feel like, except th- except for Scream, I feel like a lot of these were uh, not by accident, but just like not planned. You know what I mean? I think there's so many movies that are planned to be the next big horror movie, oh. to be the thing that everybody's going to clamor for the way they did for, you know, Child's Play, Friday the 13th, Nightmare uh-huh. on Elm Street. And it Leprechaun. just, Leprechaun, and it just doesn't, really stick or resonate the same way and then i think a movie like hereditary came and i don't think anyone expected it to have not just the like impact as a horror movie but what i think it's become a a, a pop culture reference you know even to the point of drag queen lip syncs which is my favorite thing about hereditary is that it Mm -hmm. can be there there, you can extract the camp from it as well which will give it a longer life and i think poltergeist is similar there's so much camp to poltergeist it's such a pop cultural reference of zelda yeah carol ann carol ann yeah they're here like all like there's so much about this movie that is also like a a fun easy reference you Mm -hmm. know right the, the daughter getting sexually harassed and then the and sticking up for herself and the mother being like, <laughs> oh, yeah, when she gives them that, like, I feel like nobody does that whole like prolonged f- fuck you arm movement mm. that she gave the guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think about how the one construction worker is like dipping his co- his donut oh, in, her, in the coffee through the window. He's uh, through the window. I'm just like, oh, he's eating the sauce and oh, oh the God. sauce. Oh, the sauce. That's what it was. It was so gross. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he, he, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying about Poltergeist kind of, there's comedy in it, which will give it more life because it will, you could reuse it in another uh, arena. I hear. And I think that you could, to your point, like you could watch this as a, you know, kid and like, there's some scary parts, but like, it's not, I saw this at a very young age and like, you know, what stuck with me was just like the thrill of the last 15 minutes, you know, um, 
but like you could watch this as an adult and still get something out of it. You could watch this and appreciate it as an adult. If like you have kids, you might appreciate this differently. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I think there yep. is, I don't uh, know what that experience is. That's a whole other aspect of this movie that I think is really interesting. Oh, uh, when I think of Carol Ann as Marco, I would do anything to get right, that. You know what I mean? Meowing in the TV. I'd break the TV. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He went through my soul, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I, smell I him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that smell. Yeah. Um, and so I just think there's that too of like the, the additional read of even, even generationally, the idea that these are two former, like, you know, uh, summer of love kids who've now grown up, mm-hmm. you know, who, who grew up in the sixties and are now parents in the, in the early eighties. Right. Know? Imagine being a hippie sixties kid, you know, and then now you're a yuppie in the suburbs, you know, it was Not the one thing anymore, that you weren't yeah. supposed to do. You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're living with next to what, what are their neighbors? The names? Tuttles. The Tuttles. Uh, nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the perfect nightmarish when they go over there and he's like, eating a plate of beans at oh the my door. god oh wait like, like like the oh god the commentary on suburban life like yeah your neighbors are also hell what did you do here why did you move here yeah your neighbors are so awful that like in that scene towards the end when they pull her out of the pool and mrs tuttle's like your children what is that sound right. like there is no compassion either there is no i think what's interesting as well is that like no none of their neighbors give a shit about them. Like even all of those friends that Steve has. Over oh in the yeah. Beginning, those we random don't, friends. We don't yeah. see any of them again. And so there is also like, do they even know about this? You know, like what's going on behind your curtains, you know? Yeah. You know, what's interesting about uh, the boss coming over. Um, cause he comes over cause he hasn't right. been to work in a while. He's like, Oh, I have the flu. Um, he's like, well, yeah, you look like shit. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, nobody, nobody really knows, and I feel like also nobody really cares. Right. That's the thing about the suburbs is you also like you don't check in on people; you gossip about them. You know. Yeah, exactly. You're less connected. Yeah, yeah, and so um, it's yeah. I think all of that is there. I I know that there is a remake of Poltergeist. I've only seen a few minutes. I was going to ask it. you about it. Yeah, I yeah. figured you might have watched it. I only saw a bit of it. I mean, there's it, Joe Beth Williams isn't in it, so what am I doing? You know what I mean? It's uh, Sam Raimi is the producer. It's directed by Gil Keenan. It's like Rose um, Byrne, I think, plays. Sam that. Rockwell's in it. Rosemary oh. DeWitt's in it. Oh, it's Mary. Rosemary DeWitt. Mary, I know. We and just skipped this movie. I think even I think despite the casting, it's still Sam Rockwell. Mary, I know, I know. Well, we could do. Three billboards NYU, Lonnie. outside of Ebbing, Missouri, if you want Sam Rockwell. Oh, I'll, I'll watch anything Sam Rockwell is in. Yeah, he's great. I will watch anything he is in. I went to go see American Buffalo. That's that's <laughs> commitment to the cause. Yeah. Darren Chris was in that. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I have to watch this remake. I'm wonder, I wonder what they do. I, I'll, you know what? Honestly, I'll bet they just try to make it more jump scary. That's the thing. Is I think yeah. they do it. I think they drive like an ugly minivan. And that's for some reason one of my few memories from that movie is like, ugh, they drive this like minivan. <laughs> it wow. just like doesn't. How do you really feel? <laughs> hey, it, it, it is not the Adventures in Babysitting station wagon that uh-uh. the Freelings are driving. No. Wood paneling. Hello. Uh-huh. Um, all right. I, I, I 
can't tell you that I'm slightly disappointed that you haven't seen Poltergeist because you're such a big fan, but I also understand why you wouldn't. You know, sometimes it's like, don't, you know, uh, yep. I don't, don't, don't get wanna... upset. It's like, yeah. don't, don't go on Twitter. Why would I right, go on Twitter right, right now? Yeah. You know, I've seen Poltergeist 2. It's not that, it's not that good. Uh, it's not, it's weird. It's kind of worth seeing. Yeah. I've yeah. seen the Poltergeist movies. Yeah. Yeah. The third one is a real kinder trauma for me because Same. I always remembered that scene where like, Tangina, Tangina, like all of a sudden, like decomposes, and Laura Flynn Boyle like bursts out of her body, mm-hmm. and that always scared the shit out of me as a kid. And obviously, the old man. The old man is. I thought that he was in the first one, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, when's he gonna get here? When's he gonna get here?" Um, that is the scariest thing. He's, uh, you know, I mean, Mary. Yeah, he's. It, it's just like horrifying, and I know there's like some scary lore around him and the actor, but actually, the, I did want to go to the lore around Poltergeist because this movie was also like cursed, right? There's a lot of stuff that happened. There I, is. How yes. much do you know? Well, so Dominique Dunn was killed. Okay. Uh, I think Very not sad. long after this movie came out, uh, Heather O'Rourke who played Carol Ann died during the filming of of episode of, of Poltergeist 3. Um, Carol Ann dies. Yes. Uh, or, no, Heather O'Rourke, the the actress the, died. Yeah, the actress, yeah. yeah. The actress died. I think there was someone else on set who died. Um, one of the details was that the swimming pool scene, they used real skeletons. Real skulls, yeah. uh, and Joe Beth Williams apparently told Steven Spielberg, like, I'm not doing that scene unless you get in that pool with me because she thought she was gonna get electrocuted. Oh shit. And so she's like, I'm not doing that unless you're doing it with me. Uh, so I know that I think there was even someone else on set who maybe died. And then Poltergeist 2, the actor, I think his name is Julian Beck, who played the old guy whose name I'm blanking on. Um I can look it up. Uh, he died as well. So it's a different actor in part three. Uh, and that's, I think, and I feel like there is more. I think there's it's a lot. I mean, it's certainly enough. But, but there they, is more. But yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, no, there's just been a running kind of poltergeist curse. <sighs> Scary. And his I wonder name, if, it, if it went into the remake, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it, the box office would certainly suggest that Oops. it was cursed. Uh, it was Kane who died. It was yeah, Julian Beck who played him in part two. Um, oh, because he plays the cult leader. Yes, the cult leader in the in the cave and all that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So it's it's pretty fucked up. I mean, on the plus side, Joe Beth Williams was like the president of SAG for a little while. So oh. at least she had that going. I think so. I might. Is you Joe know Beth what? Williams still alive? Thank God she's still alive. She was born December 6th, 1948, and she's still doing great. She's actually still working. Oh. Still doing that. She was in one episode of Rizzoli and Isles in 2016. Do you remember that? No. Oh, you would have loved it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, she was in In the Land of Women. That feels <gasps> like a movie you'd be no, familiar with. No, she was in In the Land of Women. Yeah. Of course I've seen that movie. You know, uh, do I quote it with you or I quote it my friend Simona? But we go, um, <sighs> you've got to quit smoking. Is that In the Land of Women? <laughs> yes. I thought, oh, I, I, I always confuse that with White Oleander. No, she is. You've got to quit smoking. Yeah, it's yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, right? <laughs> no, um, it's Meg Ryan. Oh, it's Meg Ryan. That's right. It's Meg, Meg Ryan in Case Two. Oh my and, god! And and Adam Brody. That's, yeah, Michelle that's Pfeiffer is in White Oleander. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting those two confused. Um, yeah, no, that movie is uh, something. Uh, god, it's <laughs> the stupidest movie. <laughs> yeah, and also stupid. It's very sad. Um, Joe Beth Williams had a guest starring role in Dexter. 
Oh, that's good. I'll give Which her that. Which is very good. That was a while ago, though, because, you know, Dexter. Yeah, um, she had a very small role in Kramer versus Kramer, where I think you see her boobs, so that's fun. Oops, well. There's a movie called Teachers that I know she had a, a main role in that I've been wanting to see. And you were a teacher, so you might appreciate it this. Was. But it's with uh, Nick Nolte, Joe Beth Williams, Judd Hirsch. Uh, a well-meaning but burned-out high school teacher tries to maintain order against the backdrop of a pending lawsuit against his school district. When it comes to light, they gave a diploma to an illiterate student. Relatable. Oh, huh. wow. Ralph well, can, Macchio. Can, can you read, honey? Yeah. Can you listen to this guest? Ralph Macchio, Lee Grant, Judd Hirsch, Joe Beth Williams. Lee Grant. Okay. Laura Dern. Morgan oh my God, Laura Freeman? Dern in 1984? Yeah, Zora Lampert. Okay, wow. Zora Lampert was in this. She played Jessica, and who scared Jessica? Let's scare Jessica to death. Oh, my oh. God. Let's scare Jessica to death. To death. Oh, my goodness. I have to see this movie. Laura Dern, Zora Lampert, and Jo Beth Williams are in the same movie, and I'm not watching it right now. Watch list. Well, there are no victims in this classroom. That's no. for sure. No, there are no victims, and there are no. I don't know. There's no drinking. There's also no, no there's drinking. No, there's also no drinking. There's, there's no. There is no smoking. There's also no drinking and no men. That's what it is. Yeah, we were quoting that last. Uh, the last episode yeah. we recorded. Yeah. Mary, any other final thoughts on on Poltergeist? I feel like I could watch this movie again and record a whole other episode on this movie. Um, especially after talking to you about it and seeing some more of the details, um, and especially after like I don't know, just kind of like formulating some of my ideas about technology in this movie and then the suburbs in this movie and then the role of men in this movie and how kind of like it's such it is such a like women are the are the ones that are going to get us out of this yeah well i would i would do another poltergeist episode in a second this would be my this is my third ever episode talking about poltergeist i did an in the details about it a while ago we did it on best supporting podcast so if you want to do another in the, uh, another poltergeist i mean you know get Something away from told my me not to discount poltergeist yeah come on <laughs> Uh, yeah, I. This is one of my favorite movies. I will always love it. And Diane is, she's a queen. She's just an absolute queen. And she's not a final girl, right? She's she's a she's final mom. Final yeah. mom. Final yeah. moms. Yeah. Final mom. Uh, yeah. She's very unlike much... Tony Collette and Hereditary. Am no. I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Like no piano wire here. You know. <laughs> no piano wires ever. You know, I, there is. Before we wrap up, I'll just say on Shutter right now, there is. They they just finished it, but it was like the hundred and one scariest movie moments of all time. Mm. Um, and I I am a sucker for those compilations. There's a bunch of them, and I'll. There's one that came out a few years, a number of years ago, and it was hosted by PJ Souls, who was in like Carrie. She was the one with the red hat on. Of course, yeah. She was in Halloween. She, she was in Footloose. Yeah, I know. Yeah, PJ she's Souls is. she's kind of a weirdo. Like PJ Souls is kind of a weirdo, and like she hosted. And there's just this weird, like I can't even explain it, but like just go check, look up PJ Souls and whatever horror movie like compilation she hosted. She's got. She and Linda Blair have a similar energy. Anyway, uh, this one had a whole other, you know, bunch of commentators. But um, I don't want to spoil what number one was. But I, everything hinged on what their number one moment was going to be for me, and if it was going to be on the list. But they're like, they're, I don't, again, a very high ranking was Hereditary, and one of my biggest takeaways was like, oh god, 
I don't really want to watch Hereditary again. It's a lot. It's, it's such a good movie. Yeah. And Mary, I, I, I'll, I've told you this ad nauseum, and I, I've said this on the podcast ad nauseum. I did not watch and still have not watched the last 20 minutes of that movie. I turned it off, and I read what happened on Wikipedia. I was too scared. When he, the guy bursts into flames, and then the kid wakes up in the bedroom, and then she's crawling on the fucking ceiling. I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't get any better from there. I know, I read about it. Uh, but, I mean, and for me, in some ways, it's also just like that first 45 minutes. Oh, it's... Is brutal. Oh. It's just so brutal. And the car accident and, like, oh. the... the it, it, I mean, absolutely, Tony Collette should have had an Oscar for Hereditary. And part of it's because, like, part of what I can't handle from that movie is just, like, her gut-wrenching performance. The, yes. No, it's it's absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, but yeah, what was no. the can you spoiler alert it? Sure. Um, if you if y'all want to skip ahead, Mary's uh, do so. But uh, what what is the scariest moment according to Shudder? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, that they they because what was weird about this compilation is that like it was less about moments than movies. They didn't really hone in on a moment for oh, a lot of that's these. Annoying. But they definitely like recognized the power of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how like. Through and through, what is the scariest movie? What checks all the boxes? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And like, <clears throat> even recognizing that the ending is so just like, mm. yeah, like that's what I love about it the Daylight. most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Sally gets away. And even the tagline of the movie is like, who will survive and what will be left of them? Mm. Like, very few horror movies have a survivor where it's like, what's left of them? Like, you know? what's the point of surviving? Yeah, yeah, like she is fucked for life. And like, uh. normally I like a survivor to really triumph, but like, I think there's something about like recognizing that like no this will fuck you up yeah you know sure yeah uh i i'm curious to read the top five of that list um it was you know you know i I, i'm i'm i am petrified of jaws i'm petrified of the ring i can't watch the ring again the ring shows up pretty high on the list they talked about the japanese one they didn't talk about the american one oh ringu yeah um the the what's the other scary movie that I've seen? Uh, well, any any shark movie, but the reef, I still think is just whew, nightmares. I think nightmares. that one I started, and then I just was like, I wasn't. I I think I got like forty minutes in, and I was like, oh, I'm not in a headspace to watch these characters die because I really like everybody. So I turned oh. it off because it's like oh. the two couples, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I always confuse that with the um, the Shallows, the one with Blake Lively. Yeah, Blake Lively, which you know that's a good movie, but it's not. I don't think it's as good as The Reef. The Reef is just just cinematically what they do to create tension and and what the shark looks like. Oh God, I oh I I have nightmares like that are are that are scenes in that movie. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll finish it. I just I think I'd like. Just microdosed, and I was feeling sensitive. So I was like, oh, I don't want to watch them die. I don't like this. Oh. Um, I did just watch this. I'll put on night. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I know what I'll watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, now your sister is dead. Now take your <laughs> sister's hand. Now grab your come sister. On. Come on. Um, come on. Oh, my God. A compilation of come ons. Um, but uh, I have to just say, last night I watched, just as this is coming out right before Halloween, I watched a, another found footage movie called as above so below that was nuts uh high recommend really well done 
it was about these people who like go into the catacombs under Paris and like eventually just like work their way into hell. Um, very oh. cool movie. And then I also watched this movie called Resurrection that just came out with Rebecca Hall. And wasn't she in Machinal? Machinal. Machinal. Maybe. I, maybe. I, I was trying to remember watching. It was like, was she in Machinal? Which, you know, maybe one person listening will be. Uh, uh, Machinal Mary, marries. Marys might not be listening. Um, but it was this play that we we oh, saw. Oh, God. And so good. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was so good. And the ending oh. will haunt me forever. Forever. Somebody, forever. somebody. Oh, yeah. my God. That somebody, is, somebody. Uh, and so uh, she was in this movie that was. Um, similar to that movie, All of My Friends Hate Me, where it's more yeah. so like a, a, it's very much about like her re-encountering her like past oh. like, uh, like narcissistic abuser um, or him like reappearing in her life. And like, it just, it's like if you've ever experienced that kind of abuse, it's like, okay, this is really yeah, accurate. Turn this off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I've been watching The Twilight Zone. Um, I... I can't recommend the first season of The Twilight Zone enough. Um, there's some really, really amazing episodes. The Walking Distance and um, uh, the I love Third from the Sun. Do you know this one? I don't know them by titles. Oh, I see. Um, I don't want to take up too much time on this episode talking about The Twilight Zone. I feel like that's a whole other um Maybe thing. we could someday do, we could, you know, we, it's funny, they always play the Twilight Zone like on New Year's, so it's almost like even we could do a New Year's episode yeah. and talk about a couple Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street, I think is like, I, I don't know, kind of know could, that one. you could pair that with, you could kind of pair that with Poltergeist in a way, just talking about like small communities and kind of, I don't know, uh, what, what, what that, what the dynamics of that might mean, um, but yeah, I... God, I love it. I I really get lost in these wonderfully written and wonderfully acted little episodes. Yeah, and that, yeah, they're like they're like a, it's like a twenty minute little nightmare. Like mm-hmm. I love that. I, the the ones that I'm very familiar with. There's like the talking Tina one with the doll. Yeah, that's one of the scariest ones ever made. That one. For there's sure. like there's the woman who keeps seeing the hitchhiker. Uh huh. The hitchhiker is that horrifying. One, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the the pig face one is is genius. Oh, mirror. Yes. Yeah, it's kind uh, of like a perfect episode. Image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are some, and I feel like there's ones I'm forgetting, oh, but those are image, but yes, no, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, the, the cookbook one, obviously to serve man. Um, that one is also uh, just, you know, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant written, uh, iconic Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, folks, you've got some recommendations. You've got some love for Joe Beth Williams. We got to talk about Beatrice Strait on this podcast. I, like, Craig T. Nelson sitting Craig on our T. faces. Craig T. Nelson sitting on so many faces, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. mostly my own. Uh, and I, I, sure you can sit on yours, fine. Uh, if you if you insist. But um, more importantly, uh, happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, Marys. If you have any thoughts on Poltergeist or have other recommendations for really cool horror, thriller, supernatural movies, you can reach out to us on Instagram at allrightmarypod. You can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail you can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or you can find me on Instagram at Johnny Also. 
Or you could also find me if you want to hear my my Poltergeist episode and in the details. It's Poltergeist and the Power of Moms. Or you could look up my Poltergeist episode and Best Supporting Podcast, the BSA is a Poltergeist, if you want even more Poltergeist talk. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram at Trucker underscore. Uh, and of course, you can get more of both of us, including currently our coverage of Drag Race UK Season 4 uh, on Patreon.com slash Mary. All right, Mary. All right, scary. Happy Ooh. Halloween. Uh, be safe out there uh, and scare some people. Yeah, and grab your sister's hand. Come, Come on.
Come on.